the things that I find interesting about the church is that we hear a lot of preaching about salvation, and rightfully so, because that's a fundamental fact of all that we believe. It's a fundamental fact of Christianity. But very rarely do we ever hear preaching on the fundamental facts of living the way that we're supposed to when it comes to Romans 8 type of living. And that's just as much as a fundamental fact of Christianity as John 3.16 is. As Romans 3.23 and 3.26 and 10.13 and 14 and uh, 9 and 10 and Romans uh, 5, um, you know, all those different verses, uh, 1 John 1, 9. And I think that if we would get a better hold on Romans 8 as believers, that we would see much more victory in our life as, as Christians. And so we're going to spend the next, well, three and a half weeks, I guess, because tonight's uh, half a day, Lord willing, in the, cha- in the eighth chapter of Romans. And I want us to take a look. I've entitled this message, A Life in Christ. I want us to take a look at the first 11 verses. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh. That is a, that is a statement, that is an emphatic statement. We do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh, those that go after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind is enmity against God, as at war with God. For it is not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can be. You know what he's saying? He's saying that when you become a Christian, God is not there remodeling the old man. Because the mind cannot be subject, the, the, the flesh, the carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. It, it, it will not be subject to the law of God. So then... They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Here goes another emphatic statement. But ye are not in the flesh. It's interesting that he makes that statement because he's talking to all the Christians in Rome. How can he make such an emphatic statement? But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, and the body, is, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that 
dwelleth in you. Another emphatic statement. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here. We thank you for uh, the privilege of preaching your word. And I pray that your grace and mercy will work in and through me. And that you would give each one of us, pastor and people alike, everything that we need spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. I pray that you would meet needs. I ask you for this, Father. And I pray that you would uh, do the work that only you can do. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship through song, through giving, and now through preaching. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I would encourage you that if you were not able to be here this morning to listen to the first part of this sermon You need to go on YouTube and listen to it so that that way you'll understand some of the context uh, from which I speak uh, here this evening. But really, Romans 8 uh, uh, is is really telling us here, especially the first um, uh, 11 verses, what every believer has even if they don't live like it. I mean, that's the way you could sum up Romans chapter uh, 8, 1 through 11. What every believer has, even if they don't live like it. And then uh, we could say that there is no condemnation for the believer, and that there is deliverance of sin through the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. This morning, I I mentioned to you that every believer can live free because of Christ. We don't have to live a defeated life. We don't have to live a frustrated life. And we can achieve uh, a victory in this life. And every believer can live free because of Christ. First, I mentioned to you, because there's no condemnation. Verses 1 through 4 speak specifically towards that. There's no awaiting uh, punishment. That's the, the promise that we have. It's a present condition for every believer. Why? Because we're in Christ. And Christ is in us. I had mentioned to you, and I would, I would, one of the ways I would tell you to help apply this passage of Scripture, because you must apply this passage of Scripture by faith. Just like you accepted Christ by faith, you must apply this passage of Scripture to your life by faith. There were a couple key statements that I made this morning. One is, do not focus on your condition, but focus on your position. Don't focus on your condition, focus on your position. I said, secondly, remember that God is for you. God is always for you. We talked about, well, what happens if you sin here and you sin there? And we we went into that. I'm not going to rehearse that once again. I'm not going to re-preach that message. But we've got to remember in Christ, God is for us. And so, therefore, to be able to help balance it so that way we are not running all over the place, living a licentious lifestyle, and and thinking that that we can sin so that grace may abound, we must remember the third statement. God is for you, not based upon who you are, but based upon who is in you and who you are in. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our acceptance lies. And so we see that we are not condemned because of Christ, and we see that we are uh, not, uh, not condemned because we are not under the law. And really, verses 2 through 4 really stress that. We talked about how the law condemns. And I need you to remember this one thing. The law does not give the Christian power over sin. It gives sin power over the Christian. Now, let me be quick to say that that does not mean that the law is bad. 
The Bible emphatically tells us that the law is good. Well, then how can the law be good in that sense? Paul tells us that the reason that the law is good is because it showed me my sin. It was the, it was the, the schoolmaster. It let me know if there was no law, I would not know where sin was. Could you imagine if there was no such thing as, as law? No moral law, no spiritual law, no nothing. Matter of fact, that's what the world's trying to get us to. Well, truth, well, what, what is your truth? I mean, I have, I, I have never heard more politicians go around saying, well, they need to speak their truth. I keep thinking to myself, wait a second, what if their truth is lies? Truth is truth. It's not my truth or it's not your truth. No, truth comes from the Word of God. And so the reason that the law is good is because it points us and it shows us where we've fallen short but that's the, that is where, uh, well, that is the purpose of the law. It's not for us to try and live up to that in our own strength. See, the law does not have power. Listen now. The law does not have power to produce holiness in the life of a believer. It only can reveal sin. The law is there to show us where we've fallen short. The law will never produce light, uh, holiness in the life of the believer. We've got to remember that. So we can live free in Christ because there is no condemnation. But secondly, you can live free in Christ because you have life and peace. We're going to take a look at this this evening, verses 5 through 11. You have life and peace. I'm not going to take the time to reread it again, but I would ask that you would reread this. I personally believe that this section, this portion of Scripture, that Paul is not contrasting two types of Christians. I believe that he's contrasting the saved and the unsaved. I don't believe that he's, ta- he's, he's dealing with a Galatians type of Christian. And the reason being here, I, I believe that, that we'll see this here. Because in verses 5 through 8, you have life and peace. Why do we have life and peace? Because you have, letter A, if you're taking notes, you have a different mindset. Let Let me just read a couple of these verses here for you. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed indeed can be. You have a different mindset. That word mind right there, if you study it out, it has the idea, it means mindset or it means aspirations. It means aspirations. And what Paul's saying to us is that the mindset or the aspirations of a believer are different than that of an unbeliever. And I think we've missed the mark on this issue this evening. We've come to believe, really, that there's two ways to live the Christian life. And and Paul's saying that there's not. As believers, we're all supposed to have one type of mindset. We're all supposed to have a certain aspiration. And, And this is the way it goes. This is the way we think sometimes in our Christianity. First are the super committed Christians. They are the ones who give up everything for Christ. They deny themselves and they take up their cross. They are the ones who who will live with all their material possessions with an open hand. 
They're the ones that will allow God to use what they have as he sees fit. They're the ones who will be willing to relocate to a foreign country to share the gospel in a different culture and even in a dangerous culture if need be. These are the super Christians. These are the super committed ones. It is these people who are going to get the great rewards. And these are the elite Christians. So in our minds, this is the one track that we have, okay? And then, this is the way we think. We say, Then there's the second group of Christians who are on the cultural Christianity type of mindset. This is for the rest of us ordinary type of believers. It makes us feel a whole lot more comfortable. Because we're not the radical or super committed in this type of mindset, you can accept Jesus as your Savior to make sure you get into heaven, but also pursue your dreams for success and personal fulfillment in this life. You can get the best of both worlds without being gun-ho. You don't have to worry about that. You can enjoy fellowship of a good church and pursue the American dream at the same time. You, can, you just drop something in the offering plate once in a while to, to pay your dues and and, uh, and then you can volunteer every so often as long as it doesn't mess up your busy schedule. And don't be too hard on yourself because, you know, about this obedience thing with the Bible because we're all human after all. And, and, and God, he, he understands. He knows all your weaknesses. I almost feel like a popular preacher right now. <laughs> so accept yourself. And don't think that you have to be all out for Jesus. That's just for the fanatics. I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 8 and see what Jesus has to say about this. See, you have life and peace because you have a different mindset. You have different aspirations. Folks, get a hold of this. This is the reason. Because you are in Christ, you are to have a different mindset. Therefore, it gives you life and peace. Take a look at what Jesus has to say about these two quote-unquote groups of Christians. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with the disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever. Uh, we, we, you know, let me stop there for a second. We, we find that, that word in other places in the Bible, don't we? Like, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so he says, whosoever will come after me. Sort of in the same context, isn't it? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's for that super radical group, man. That's for the super committed uh, well, Jesus, we understand that. Well, he decides to address the quote-unquote other type of Christians. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever there shall, therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the angels. 
I think Jesus is pretty straightforward, don't you? He's contrasting those who are saved and those who are unsaved. The point is this evening, there's only one mindset for the believer, and that, that mindset, that aspiration is of going after the Spirit. Romans 8, turn back there if you will, please. The Bible tells us in verse 6 that the mindset or the aspirations of those who are of the flesh, this is the mindset of death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It also says about this mindset, this fleshly mindset, that this mindset, it is hostile towards God. It's not subject to the law of God, and it cannot and never will please God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher from years gone by, he said this when it comes to this mindset of the aspirations. The term includes not only thought and understanding, it includes affections, the affections, the emotions, the desires, and the objects of pursuit. He goes on to say, but that these are the things which they think of most of all. These are the things which they think habitually. The trend or the bent of their thinking is towards them. All after the flesh. All after the things of this world. But to have the mindset of one who is after the Spirit is to relate all of life to God and His Word. Take a look in Colossians chapter 3. I want you to turn there to be able to see that, see that this evening. Colossians chapter 3. So if you and I are going to live, uh, have this life in Christ and, and have this abundant life that He promises us, we have it because of Christ, and we have this life in peace because of Christ, because of a different mindset. We are not going after the things of the world. Why? Because Christ is in us. Christ is in us. I am not saying that at times Christians do not backslide. I'm not saying that. But if you find a person who has been, now listen, who has been converted But all that they do, there's never been a change in their life, and all that they do is constantly go after the things of the world. There's no spiritual desire. There's no spiritual discernment. There's nothing to do with the Spirit of God or the things of God. Guess what? That is not a true profession. You said, but they said a prayer. That is not a true profession. The Bible tells us that all things become new. I am not saying that people don't have to grow in the things of the Lord. I don't expect a guy or a gal who's just gotten saved that their whole life is, is dramatically changed. Sometimes that happens, but most of the time, what, what is it? It is a process of growth in the Lord. And Paul is, is, is refuting here for us, and he's showing us that there are two different mindsets. It's not this mindset of the semi-saved people and, and the, the really committed people. No, it's, it's a mindset that is different, the, the unsaved versus the saved. Here's the mindset of a believer. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Take a look there. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, your aspirations, your desires, your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, here we go, look at this, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. See, the point is that there can be no neutral thinking on this. This passage makes it abundantly clear that the way one thinks is intimately related to the way one lives, whether in Christ, in the Spirit, and by faith, or alternatively, in the flesh, in sin, and in spiritual death. A man's thinking and striving cannot be seen in isolation from the overall direction of his life. Did you hear that? A man's thinking and his striving cannot be seen in isolation from the overall direction of his life. He's saying exactly what I just stated. That a man can say, a person can say that they are saved, but they are going totally in a fleshly direction, the point is that if there has never been any change, there has never been any desire, there has never been any transformation, that person is not a believer. See, the issue is, are you developing a biblical mindset? If you are, if you're in the spirit, you will have life and peace because you have a different mindset. But I want you to take a look secondly here, letter B. Not only do you have a different mindset, but you have a different minister. You have a different minister. Verses 9 through 11. There are two ministers. One, the flesh. The other, the spirit. And this is the reason why we have life and peace, because we have a different minister. Those who have the spirit of Christ dwelling in us are ministered to by the spirit. Take a look at verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh. Isn't that interesting that he made that statement? Now, think about this. If he was talking about carnal Christians and spirit-led Christians, how could he make such a statement? He's writing to all the believers in Rome. How can he state to them that they... In verse 9, take a look. But ye are not in the flesh. How can he make that blanket statement for all these Christians, whether it be 10 Christians or 100 Christians or 100,000 Christians, how could he make that blanket statement and say, but ye are not in the flesh? If he was talking about the two types of Christians, again, I'm not saying that Christians cannot backslide, and I'm not saying that there are not carnal Christians, but this portion of Scripture, he is talking about the saved and the unsaved. And the reason that he can make that statement is because when he says, but ye are not in the flesh, who's he writing to? The Christians in Rome. And he's saying, look, you are no longer in the flesh. You don't have that mindset. You don't have those aspirations. You are in Christ. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You say, well, it says here, take a look in verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if... Well, see, pastor, there, there you go. It's saying, if, if, if so, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I'm glad you brought that up. Because 
that word if in verse 9 is not throwing doubt upon the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believers. You say, well, then what is it talking about? It means as is the case. So he could say, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, as in the case that the spirit of God dwells in you. That's exactly the way that you could read that. As in the case that the spirit of God dwells in you. He, there's a contrast. He's contrasting the life of the spirit and flesh. But because we're controlled by the spirit of God, it is the spirit of God that gives the believer a totally different life. What I find interesting is we forget very quickly that our bodies, the Bible tells us, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's where the, the Spirit of God dwells. Therefore, it's in our bodies that we are to serve the Lord. We are on a different mission. We have a different ministry because of our different minister. Take a look at verse 10. And I'm, I'm really, tonight, I'm just going down these verses because these are very doctrinally rich verses right here. And I'm really just doing a running commentary tonight on these few verses for you to be able to understand them and understanding that you are alive in Christ. There is no condemnation for us. There's no final punishment for us. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We're not underneath the law. We have life and peace because we have a different mindset and you have a different minister. Take a look at verse 10. Paul tells us that the body is dead because of sin. And if Christ be in you, again, that word if means as is the case. And as is the case, Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. See, you say, well then, what is he talking about here? Well, he's telling us the reason that we die. Why do we die? Well, we die, our physical bodies die because of sin. When God created us, Paul's referencing, if you will, probably in his mind, he's thinking about creation. When God created us, how did he create us? He created us to live forever in perfect harmony and fellowship with him. But because of sin, what did sin do? For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've been given back this life to be able to have this relationship and fellowship with God. So he's telling us that, we learn that, that, that this is why we die. We die because of sin. But because of a different minister, the Holy Spirit, we have life because of Jesus' righteousness has been imputed to us. And it's through the ministry of the Spirit that we're able to serve the Lord with our bodies. I want you to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you will, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to take a look at verse 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. 2 Corinthians, take a look, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 14. 2 Corinthians 4, 14. Knowing, 2 Corinthians 4, 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and shall present us, 
shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Take a look now back at Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. I'll read it as you're turning. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know the doctrine that he's teaching us there? That we have life and peace. We've got eternal life and eternal peace with Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because we have a different minister. And though the issue of physical death is presented to us because we're in Christ, we, are in, we have his spirit, we have a different minister that has promised us life through Christ. And because of that, we have life and peace. Now, verses 1 through 11, let me ask you, how are you doing on living this out? We talk about, and how many times we talk about, and the just shall live by faith. Remember, why did Paul write this? He wrote the book of Romans to show those believers how sinners can be justified to a righteous God and how saints are to live to the glory of God day by day. Romans chapter 8 is the crux of Christian living. And if we can get a hold of this and make this a bedrock for where we live our life from, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, and I am to live this life by faith, I believe that we will stop seeing frustrated and defeated Christians I believe that we will start to see more Christians experiencing victory and power in their life. One of the things that Satan wants to do is to be able to throw is to throw us underneath the bondage of defeat and despair. You say, well, how am I supposed to live this Christian life? I have a life in Christ. Well, how am I supposed to live it? You know what we want? (laughs) We want a list of everything that we're supposed to do and everything we're not supposed to do. You live this life in Christ by the Spirit. We don't want to do that because that takes too much work. You know what that means? That means that you have to be in connection with the Father all the time. That means that you need to be sensitive to His leading in your life. That means that you need to be listening for that small, still voice and giving the direction in in your life. We would rather have, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Good. Now I'm a good Christian. That is called religion. That's not what Romans 8 is about. That's not what Christianity is about. And if if you and I, we get this principle that we are not condemned and we are supposed to be living by the Spirit. If you read Romans all the way up through Romans chapter 8, the word Spirit is only mentioned one time. In chapter 8, it is mentioned 19 times, the word Spirit. 
Do you think maybe underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul's trying to get across a message to us? And that's, that's why our Christian life ought to be like, hey, we've done something and we've, we, we have this grieving in our heart. You say, wait a second. You say, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, okay, well, I shouldn't be doing that. And, and I shouldn't be doing that. And, oh, okay. The Lord's given me, he's given me, oh, yeah, okay. And we're, we're walking in this. It's nothing super mystical that you're floating off the ground three feet high. It's that you're in tune with God and, and listening to his voice and listening to his promptings. I've told you before, whenever the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, don't hesitate on it. Do it immediately. You say, well, how do I know if it's just me or the Holy Spirit? Well, that's a really good question. If it doesn't line up with the book, it's not the spirit. It's the taco you ate last night. You know, it could be indigestion, but it's not the spirit. If it's contrary to that book, it's not the spirit. But see, another reason why we don't like to live this life is not only because it's actually, it's actually freeing, to be honest with you, but the, the second reason is it's because we can't get everybody on the same page. I mean, bless God, if we're going to have a church here at Open Bible Wednesday, I mean, everybody is going to be on the same page. We need to have everybody following all the rules. By the way, I don't know that we've got rules here, but we got to have everybody following the rules and, and uh, making sure that everybody does this, and you better not be listening to this type of music, and you better not do this here, and you better not do this here. And by the way, if you're watching here, and bless God, we're going to See, what I find interesting is what we don't want is we don't want to give people opportunity to be able to grow in Christ, though we want people to give us opportunity to grow in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. You have a life in Christ. You have, you're not under condemnation because of Christ. You're not under condemnation because you're not underneath the law. And then he says you have life and peace to be able to live this Christian life by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Christian life is about. It's about being spirit-controlled that the reason that we do and that we don't do is because we are spirit-controlled. I've told you before, listen, if I give you a list today, and I'm not going to, if I give you a list today of all the do's and don'ts, this time next year, that list is going to get longer. As a matter of fact, that list was, is a whole lot longer today than it was 10 years ago. You say, why is that? Because the world's getting worse. Man, no, man does not know the depths of their depravity. And so therefore, we've got to keep making lists. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, and that's why we must allow the Spirit to live inside of us because we are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Too many times, we would rather have it. Man, we like... 
We like cookie cutter, don't we? Here's the box. And this is the way you do it. I don't preach for YouTube, by the way. I'm just, I'm going to say this. People that watch YouTube, I could really care less. If people watch, they watch. Great. If they don't, they don't. I preach for these folks here because you're the people that God has given to me and trusted to me to pastor. But what I've noticed is I've noticed that, that I believe, I'm, start, I'm, I'm sensing that, that God is, is, is starting to do a unique work here at Open Bible. And I'm 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 seeing things, and I'm sensing things, and I'm uh, I'm uh, I just sense that the Holy Spirit is doing something just unique here at this place. See, folks, I, I don't want us to be like any other place. I'm not trying to make us like any other church. Just because one church has it doesn't mean that we've got to do it. I want us to be sensitive to Holy Spirit so that He is directing this and that God is preeminent. But I would challenge you this evening, how is your life in Christ? I mean, are you are you looking more at your condition than your position? Is your mindset one that seems to be bent towards the things of the world or towards the Spirit? Do you allow yourself to be directed by the Spirit or do you direct the Spirit? You say, what do you mean by that? Here are my plans, God. Now put your stamp of approval on them. Here are my plans, God. Put your stamp of approval on them. So where are you at? The reality is, these first 11 verses here, actually the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8 there, it takes work because this is totally, in many aspects I should say, not totally, but in many aspects different than what we're used to. But my friends, if what we're used to only results in frustration, defeat, and a lack of power and a lack of victory in our life, don't you think that we might want to start doing it God's way? It's only, only an idiot, and I'm not trying to be derogatory in any, any way, only an idiot continues to do what they are continuing to do and expect a different result. I want you to think about your life and about your Christian life in Christ. Condition versus position.